Today we're gonna to be talking about, you might notice it's a little bit different here. We've got uh, the six of us up here. So we're doing something special that we call six on six. And so what that looks like is the six of us are gonna speak for six minutes of peace, God willing, and uh, it's gonna be a great time here today. So we're gonna be going through uh, Romans chapter eight, which uh, many theologians and scholars would say that this is uh, the most important chapter ever written in scripture, right? It's all important, it's all amazing, but this is like the pinnacle of the gospel and the life that we have in God and the freedom that we have in God. And so we're going to be talking about this today and what that means for us as the body of Christ uh, and those who are yet to step into this family uh, of Christianity. And so we're going to take a moment just to introduce our panel to you real quick, uh, and then we'll kick off with the word. Uh, so why don't we give it up right here. So tell them uh, what your name is and what you do at Victory Church. Hi, good morning. I'm feeling good. My name is Action Jackson. Just kidding. My name is AJ. I have the privilege of serving as the administrative pastor and the executive director of the Tulsa Dream Center. Good morning. My name is Amy Farquhar, and I serve on the kids team here as a kids pastor. I'm Debbie Barker, and I am blessed to be one of the team pastors. I'm Pastor Ty Barker, and we are blessed to be team pastors as well as Victory Men's and Women's Discipleship. I'm Stephen Furtick, and <laughs> I'm Ron McIntosh, uh, teaching pastor. Come on, conference has already started, in Jesus' name. Would you pray with me? And then we're gonna jump into today's word. So Father, we love you. Thank you so much for being here, Lord. Thank you for already moving, speaking to us, encouraging us, challenging us, convicting us in love. Father, we just say thank you for who you are. So we exalt you today, Jesus. We just pray that you would be lifted high today, that as we come around your word, Lord, that we would encounter you, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to comprehend what the Spirit of God is doing and what you're speaking in this hour. So Father, I pray for each uh, uh, person up here today, Lord, that we would be sensitive to your leadership. Lord, that today your anointing and your grace would be evident and present. And Lord, today that every heart in this room would be good ground, fertile before you to receive the seed of the word of God. And I pray, Lord, may it bear fruit in our lives, in our relationships, in our professional and personal lives, God, in every area. Father, that the kingdom of God would be advanced in us as a result of the spirit of God moving through the word of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. Uh, I wanna start today just by um, reminding a little, little refresher for me when I was a kid. Um, I was, uh, you know, I grew up, great family, but my mom had a lot of rules, right? Any moms in the house? My mom had a lot of rules, you know, clean up your room, Mark. Uh, don't torment your sisters. Stop lighting those things on fire. Don't shave the dog, you know, like all the normal stuff that moms tell kids, right? Like I find myself uh, wanting to behave for my mom. You know, I love my mom, wanna listen to her, don't wanna disobey and misbehave, but inevitably uh, my mom would say some things and I would disobey her. I'd find myself doing the very thing she told me not to do. And then I would hear those famous words that only a mother can say. She would say, Mark, you just wait till your father gets home. Right? Has anyone ever heard that before? Some of you felt it. It was real, revelation. And, uh, and so I remember that, and I was a little scared. I was a little nervous because I knew I was guilty. 
Like I knew I had made the mistakes, I disobeyed, I had misbehaved, and so I did what any smart child would do, and I would run upstairs into my room, and I would layer up with as many pairs of underwear as I could find, because I knew punishment was right around the corner, right? I'd be like hiding in a closet. You better believe that was not the day I was at the top of the driveway being like, Dad, I'm so happy that you're home, because again, I knew penalty and punishment awaited me, because my dad was on the way home, and I had misbehaved. Now, the reason that I share this is because I think that this is common for all of us, right? This mentality, this struggle, it follows us into adulthood, right? This idea that we want to behave, but inevitably we misbehave, that we want to be good people, we wanna do the right thing and we wanna obey God, but inevitably we find ourselves doing things we never thought we would do, right? We wanna be good people, we wanna be loving and selfless and kind and generous and patient with those around us, but before we know it, we are drifting into some really broken behaviors. And I think when we, when we see this, it's indicative of something that is going on at a deeper level, that there's something inherently wrong with human nature. I think all of humanity understands that we are not as we should be, that we want to do great things, that we want to do good, but inevitably we find ourselves struggling with things in a misbehaving way. And I think because of that, we find ourselves in all of humanity, really when you see this, is that we understand that we are guilty. Like we are guilty before God that there is a guilt, there's something that presses in against us and it's the reason why the self-help industry sells over $10 billion of merchandise a year. It's the reason why so many people are, are busy doing religious activities, trying to be good enough for God, trying to earn his smile and earn his approval in our life. It's why some camps that we see are, are trying to philosophize their way around sin. Sin doesn't exist, and truth, there's no absolute standard or absolute truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth, right? So there is no guilt. There's, you know, we all have our ways of trying to fix ourselves because I think we all know inherently that something is broken on the inside of us. But what the Bible would say is that self can never be the solution to your struggle. Self can never be the solution to the struggles that we have because self is the reason we struggle. In Romans chapter seven, this was Paul, right? This was Paul. He said, listen, the things that I do wanna do, I don't do. The things I don't wanna do, I end up doing. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Do you feel encouraged yet, right? Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who's gonna save me from this life that is dominated by sin, dominated by death? Thank God the answer is Christ Jesus, our Lord. What Paul's gonna teach us here today in the next few seconds here is that in Christ we are freed from the penalty and the power of sin. Romans 8.1 says, so now. Everyone say now. now. Come on, everyone say now. now. Those who are in Christ Jesus are not judged guilty. So that means that if you have a relationship with God, you are no longer judged as guilty and condemned because you are in his son. So this means that even though you were born guilty before God because of your sinful nature, God loved you, but you were separated in your sin, that Jesus stepped onto the scene, fully God and fully man. He lived a sinless life you and I could never live and died a death that we deserve. The Bible says that God treated Jesus like an enemy so he could treat you and I like a friend. And in that moment when that took place, when we believe in him that Jesus is who he said he was, and who, and who he is, who he says he is, that he lived this life, died this death, was buried and rose again three days later, in a moment, you and I are given a new identity. We are made new creations in Christ. Come on, that's just something to shout about right there. And here's what God says about you, is that 
is that you are holy and that you are blameless, that you are righteous and that you are accepted in the beloved, that you are now the son and daughter of God because of what Jesus has done for you and your faith in him. This is beautiful that, that our righteousness comes not by behaving, but comes by believing. Because here's what religion says. Religion says if you can do the right things, then you'll be made right. That's every religion in the world. Christianity and the gospel say that Jesus Christ will make you righteous, and as a result, you can now do right things. This is the way that it operates and the way that it works. And so even though some of you right now, you feel like, man, I don't know, I, I mess up and I misbehave, and there are consequences to sin, but I find myself, how can I come close to a, a perfect and just and righteous God? You can come through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3.12, it says that through Christ's faithfulness, we can now boldly and confidently come into the presence of God. So now you don't have to be the little kid who's layering up with 14 pairs of underwear up in your room because daddy is coming home. Listen, when daddy shows up on the scene, he's saying, I love you, I've redeemed you, I have paid your penalty, and you can come into the presence of God without guilt and shame and condemnation because that has been poured out on my son. And I love what he says here in the next verse. He said, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has now freed you from the power of sin. So not just the, the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin. That when you stepped into a relationship with Jesus, the spirit of God filled your life. The Holy Spirit filled your heart. And the Bible tells us that, yes, the power of sin does exist, but the power of the spirit overpowers the power of sin and death. And this is the way that it operates in our life, is that even though the option for sin is there, even though your flesh may, may crave and desire to move in a broken uh, behavior or a broken way of living, the power of the Spirit of God living in you will overpower that if you will yield to the Spirit of God in your life. I think of it this way, and I'll kind of close with this thought. A week ago, I was flying back into Tulsa. My wife and I were on vacation. Come on, y'all need to take some vacation. Even Jesus got on the lake, you know what I'm talking about, right? So. And, uh, and so we were flying back into Tulsa and I was sitting there in my seat and as I was sitting there, the law of gravity was in operation, right? I wasn't floating around, it wasn't, right? The, the law of gravity was, was sinking me into my seat, right? Making sure that we were on the ground. That law of gravity was in operation. But the moment that that plane began to move down that runway and began to accelerate and then eventually begin to take off, another law came, in, uh, came into play and it's called the law of motion. And so here's the reality is that even though that the power of sin may be present, there is a greater law that can be in operation as you will yield to the power of God in your life. It doesn't say that God takes away every, every desire, or every moving towards the flesh, but he does say in those moments where the flesh tries to come up and bring you in a destructive pattern or way, he's saying the power of the spirit of God is there. And if you will yield to the spirit of God, he will set you free. He has freed you from the penalty of sin condemnation and the power of sin so that you can live like Jesus in this earth. Do you receive that this morning? Come on. Hey, I want you to give it up for Pastor AJ as he comes to talk about spirit-empowered thinking and how it impacts our life. Come on, wasn't Pastor Mark powerful? The brother can't tell time, but he got a good word. Amen. <laughs> Went about 20 minutes, but Hallelujah. we'll be quick this morning. Hey, I want you to know to open up your hearts because I truly believe if, if there's not one person there's not one person in here that you cannot receive from. Mm -hmm. There's not one person on this panel that you can hear directly from God regarding your situation. So as we dive in, I wanna tell you a story. Just recently got back from Brazil. Any Brazilians in the house? Desebom. Everybody say Desebom. Desebom means God is good. I'm a black Brazilian now and it was amazing. 
It was amazing, Desert Balm. But we went there, and, and as a church, we're getting ready to do more Bible colleges. Man, there's an amazing, amazing hunger to partner with Victory, yes. to partner with you. So God is moving in Brazil. But had a chance with Terry Henshaw and Tachi, who's our, Tachi Wilson, who's our missions pastor. We had the opportunity. Look at that. Brazilians everywhere. Had the opportunity to go into a men's prison. And they have services three times a week. And there's hundreds and hundreds of prisoners. But they're in this small room. And because they, they can only have so many people in this room, so many men in this room, they have to have it three times a week and there's always a waiting list. But there's a picture on the screen of, of these men. Men, as they were worshiping God, these men, many of them gave their heart to Jesus for the first time. But as I stood in the back of the room at the end, as I was worshiping, I said, wow, there's more freedom in this prison than there is even for some people outside in the world. Come on, that's good. And I sense this morning, some of you are living in the prison of your mind. The enemy has so got you entangled in your thinking. He's warped your mind that you, you're not in prison in chains, but you're in prison in your, in your mind and in your heart. Romans chapter eight, verse five says, for those who are living according to the flesh, set their minds on things which gratify the body, the five senses, taste, touch, smell, see, and hear. But those who are living according to the spirit, everybody say spirit. spirit. Those who are living according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit, which is his will and his purpose. Yeah. I want to encourage you this morning, your life and your mind are connected. Yeah. Your life and your mind are connected. You are the sum total of, sum total of the thoughts that you think. So how's your thinking? I hope that you get out of Romans 8, verse 5. I mean, you've got to raise your thinking. And it's got to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Yes, that's right. Because that's our firm foundation. Right. Science tells us that estimated, we think, over 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day. That the human brain is one of the most complex things that God created. So God cares about your thinking. I also read another statistic that when you're awake, there's enough brain power that goes throughout your body to light a small light bulb. <laughs> Don't try it at home, but that's an amazing <laughs> thought. You know, you'll be sitting there like, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> but there's enough power in our brains there's, there's so much gifts that God has placed on the inside of you, but the enemy wants you to live inferior. He wants you to live trapped in anxiety. You're not worth it. Why do you even apply for that job? Yeah, you might as well stay being abused because that's all you deserve. You're not worth it. The enemy is the father of lies. So what does that mean? He can only speak lies. So that's why it's so important that we find our identity. We, we find out who we are in God's word. I'm going to show this picture on the screen. And because we have our children's pastors that will be coming next, we're going to pretend like this is kids' church. So boys and girls of all ages, 100% participation. Which is the bigger animal in this picture? The elephant. Okay, that was about 20%. We're going to give you one more chance, boys and girls to tell me which animal in this picture is the biggest. The elephant. The elephant. 
the elephant. Somebody said the lion helped that one. But, but the elephant is the biggest. The elephant weighs the most. The elephant has these long trunks that are sharp. The elephant has these amazing long legs. The elephant can just lay down on an animal and squish them with their body weight because they weigh so many tons. But yet this elephant is inferior of the lion because the lion walks around thinking that I'm bigger, thinking that I'm stronger, thinking that I'm well able. It's just like the spies. The spies went out. They went to spy on this land and this land was amazing. This land was beautiful. And 10 of them came back and said, we're small. We, we, we can't conquer it. We, we, we can't do it, though it looks really nice. But who told them they were small? Did the giants come over to them and say, hey, you're little, I'm big? No. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yeah, that's right. So they had this perspective that, that we're small. There's a lion on the inside of you. Come on that God has placed deep down on the inside. And it's not your ability, though the elephant has the ability to attack and defeat the lion. It's not about the ability, it's about the mentality. How's your thinking? I wanna end with this. I wanna tell you a few things that God thinks about you. God thinks you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God thinks that you are the apple of his eye. God thinks that He chose you. He called you by name. God thinks you're valuable. God thinks you're righteous. And most importantly, God thinks you're loved. Raise your thinking. Change your life. Come on. So good. Such a powerful on-time word. Hey, let's give it up for Pastor Amy as she comes to talk to us about who we are and whose we are. Good morning, church. Well, my husband Jeff and I have four kids. When our oldest daughter Rayleigh was born about 22 years ago, he and I began this healthy competition of what words she was gonna say first. Was she gonna say mama? Was she gonna say dada? I bribed her with a little bit of a straw and a Coke. Still didn't work, because about six months of age, she opened her mouth, she looked right at her daddy, and she said, dada. And we rejoiced, it was so excited. Got her baby book, got a pen, wrote down, dada, her first word. I marked it. And not only was it special because it was in the first months of her life and it was one of her first, but I was thinking about that word and how special it is and how it signifies a relationship. And as we move into the next part of Romans chapter eight, I wanna talk to you about two things, who you are and whose you are. If you uh, look down on verse 14, it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. One of the clearest marks that we are his children is that we are led by his spirit. It does not say that we are forced by the spirit. It does not say that we are drug around by the spirit. It says that we are led by the spirit. And what that means is present tense, continual, I am saying by the spirit, no to my flesh, no to sin, and I am saying yes to his leading. Those that are led by his spirit are his children. I am a child of God. We sing those songs. Churches around the world sing the song, I am a child of God, but do we really understand what we are saying and confessing with our mouth? And do we think about those words when we leave a church or when we leave our car that has it on the radio, Monday through Friday, I am a child of God, that is who I am. 
recently a little boy came to me and he said, Pastor Amy, do you know what these two words mean? And uh, he told me and they were not very nice. And I said, I do. And he said, well, I don't. But that's what my dad calls me. He says that's who I am. And I am sold out and passionate to teaching kids at a young age who they are. That they are not what and who the world says they are, but they are who the word says that they are. Because when a kid can grasp that, it changes everything. But I wanna tell you this morning, it doesn't matter how old you are, that truth needs to be spoken and respoken over us. Because in a world, in a culture that has coined the phrase identity crisis, or a world that is often called performance driven, it is really easy for us to misplace our identity. I've seen it in my own children, where they are how many points that they scored, or they are the letters that are on their report card. But that is not who God says we are. You are not your job title. You are not your job. You are not the education you received or did not receive. You are not to be identified by the opportunities that you've taken or the things that you think you've missed out. You see, God is a giver of great gifts, but often we begin to identify with the gift instead of the giver. We are his kids, we are his children, and when I understand that, I can stand and rest and say, I am defined by God's heart for me. If we continue down in verse 15, it says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Otherwise, you would live in fear again, again. That means I've done it, I've been there. But the spirit that we receive instead, instead, the contrasting word, instead, the Holy Spirit you received made you God's adopted child. You see, I'm no longer bound by shame. I am no longer bound in fear. Instead, I am God's adopted child. I have been bought and brought into his family. And he looks at me and he says, I know your name. You are mine. You're a part of my family. There is a seat for you at my table. And because of who we are and because of whose we are, my language and my posture begins to change and shift because it says, In verse 15, by the Spirit's power, I can do none of this on my own, we call God Abba, Father. Abba, meaning Daddy, Papa. It is an expression of warm affection and assured confidence. It's based on relationship. You see, often we study and we know and we learn about God as our creator and and he created all things. He he hung the stars and the moon and he is all powerful and he is almighty and that is all true, but he is also personal and he looks at you and he says, "I, I know you, I call you by name, you are mine, come close. You're in my family. On December the 4th, 2004, my brother and my sister-in-law came into our home. They had been on a long journey of wanting kids for a long time. They had been really, really patient, and they came into our kitchen that night, and they said, hey, we're gonna have a baby, and we all rejoiced. Such an answer to prayer, and they said, he's gonna be here in three weeks. (laughs) Said, we're adopting. In the past 14 and a half years, our family has had the privilege 
and the blessing of three adoption stories. I have two nephews and a niece who were brought into our family, received a new name. They have a seat at our table. They have been adopted. And while all stories are different, they all have the same theme of restoration and redemption and love and purpose and plan and belonging and family. And so today, if you came in and you think, I don't know where I belong, I don't know if I belong, I wanna tell you, you do. You belong. Know who and whose you are. Amen? Come on. You belong in the family of God. Hey, let's give it for Pastor Ty Barker as he makes his way to talk about the future hope we have in Christ. Praise God. Come on, say hope. As we look at uh, Romans chapter eight, I, I love the way it was constructed, put together. How many of you know the Holy Ghost? He knows how to put things together. And we look at it and we have that new creation, that no condemnation that Pastor Mark talked about. We have that mind transformation that, that Pastor AJ was talking about. We have who we are, our identity. But how many still has some flesh that still gives you some problems on, a pro on occasion? Am I the only one in the house? All right. And Paul, even in, in chapter seven, as he was talking about the things I wanna do, I don't do the things I don't wanna do, I do. And he says, in my flesh, there's really just no good thing. And so he's talking about and salvation. When you ask Jesus to become Lord of your life, what happened is we are made up of three parts. We're a three-part being. Our spirit is who we really are. And when you ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, his spirit came and lived on the inside of you, and now you are a new creation. And Romans 12, 2 tells us that now our soulless realm, which is our mind, how we think, our will, how we decide about things, and our emotions, even to our feelings, we are supposed to renew or retrain through the word of God. So good. And so our spirit, it's taken care of. We are transforming our soulless realm, but there's still the body. Yeah. And in that body, it's always gonna wanna crave the wrong thing. I, I, I always talk about it this way. If you put in front of me broccoli and you put in front of me Cheetos, <laughs> my flesh is always gonna wanna go Cheetos. Why? It always craves and wants to go the wrong way. How many can identify with that? But this passage that we're about to go through gives us hope. Amen. Verse 18 of Romans chapter eight says, yet we suffer now, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Yeah. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, come on, say eager hope. Eager hope. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right now, there's a law in the earth of death and decay. The earth itself, earthquakes, all of those things. You know, those didn't come from God. He didn't create the earth that way, but when sin entered in the world, then the world fell into a fallen state. And now it's crying out to be redeemed. And it's in decay. You know, I, I tell people I'm not old, but I am getting older. And uh, I was an athlete growing up, and what used to be bulk up here has now shifted a little bit, and it's become bulk down here. 
My body is even decaying. As I'm on the field or on the court, my mind still thinks like I'm 20 years old, but my body can't quite line up with that anymore. There's a little bit of decay going on, but I have hope. Come on, say amen to that. Verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It's in childbirth, and any lady that's gone through childbirth, they know that that time is a hard time. But once that baby's placed in their arms, they forget about all the pain that they had to go through. We're about to see who we really are, and all the pain and stuff is about to go through. Verse 23, as we believers also groan, even as the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope. Come on, see eager hope again. For the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. I tell you what, we have a future hope. And just like I described with the earth, it's longing to be redeemed, but our bodies, we were never created to face temptation. I want you to grab a hold of that. But when sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, that also came into us. But aren't you glad he gives us his son? That we are now no longer slaves to sin, even though we get temptation to sin. But there's coming a day when all of that is gonna be taken away, when all of the earth, all of our bodies, we're gonna get a brand new body and mine's gonna look like Pastor AJ's. I'm gonna be built. And I'm no longer gonna have to face temptation. I'm no longer gonna have to face loss. Some of you have lost some loved ones. But don't get so tied up in this earth because we're no longer citizens of this earth. We're just here for a little time. We're citizens of heaven and we're about to be redeemed. And those that have gone on before us, we're gonna be right there with them. That's right. I look at this and there's a couple of times I read the word groaning in this and the Holy Spirit began to deal with me on that. I'd never really had seen that before. And one of them he took me back to was when Jesus stood at the grave in front of Lazarus and they were mourning. They were in a place of hurt and loss and almost ruined because they had lost their loved one. But Jesus stepped up and he groaned within himself. And I think what he was saying is, hey guys, this isn't the end. Death is not the end. I am the resurrection. I am the life. This is not the end. We're just this life is just a vapor and we're gonna be with our heavenly maker. Come on. Don't get so tied up in this world that you lose focus of our future hope. Yes. When we're in heaven with our maker forever and ever, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is a day coming when there will be no more temptation to sin. No more sickness and disease. No more bondage of any kind. Can anyone shout hallelujah in this place today? Glory to God. Come on, we have a future hope. We also have a present help. Give it up for Pastor Debbie as she comes to share about the help of the Holy Spirit. So thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit. So thankful that he is our ever-present help in time of need. You know, the Amplified talks about and describes him. I, I, my husband always says the Amplified is the girl's version of the Bible because it has so many words. So 
thank the Lord. We have that. But it says in the Gospels that he is sending the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby. When Christ went away, the disciples did not want him to go. But he said, I'm going to send you someone. And he's going to be your comforter. We now have that ability by receiving Christ that the very power, the very anointed spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead now lives inside of each one of us as believers. We become the very temple of the living God. And we have that power and authority to stir him up. I think about one of his names being called here that he is our standby. I don't know if you've ever missed a flight and then you had to go put your name on a standby list. But I have in my years of travel. When my name was put on standby, I didn't go down the hall shopping or I didn't go just sit down at one of the cafes and eat. I stayed right there in that area waiting because I was believing my name was going to be the next one that was going to be called and I was going to make it. Right now, the Spirit of God is on standby. He has been hovering throughout this entire auditorium before you ever came into your seat. And he is waiting for you to just reach out with the arm of faith to say, I'll believe you, Lord. I'll take you at your word. I'm going to speak your word so that the angels of God can go out and manifest what it is you're speaking. The word of God is life. It is health to all our flesh. And yes, we are to get it on the inside of us. We are to meditate it, but we've got to speak it out. And when we speak it out, the word says death or life is in the power of our tongue. When you speak forth that life, all of heaven looks to manifest that word. I want us to look at this passage in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When you pray in your prayer language, you pray out that perfect will of God. As a young girl, I remember going down to the altar at seven years of age. And believing and praying for God to give me that beautiful gift of my prayer language. And that is a gift for everyone who is a believer. He has it for everyone who will ask. He will give it to you. My parents taught me that that my prayer language wasn't just supposed to be used on special occasions. But that I was to pray in my prayer language and in the spirit every day. And to believe God that when I did, I was praying out his perfect God plan. When you don't know what to do pray in the spirit. When you don't know what the next step is, yes, his word is a light to our path. It's a lamp into our feet. This word is anointed by the very anointed Holy Ghost that's inside of you. Stir him up before you read the Bible. Stir him up and turn on that switch of faith and expect and anticipate the Holy Ghost to give you revelation that you have never gotten before. And he will. Believe and anticipate that he's going to guide you and he's going to direct you and he's going to lead you. The scripture says he is our ever-present help in time of need. He is the spirit of truth, and he will lead you into truth. Now remember this, because he is the spirit of truth, he will only honor truth. 
That's why we've got to walk in truth. That's why we've got to live in truth. That's why we've got to put the word of God in us on a daily basis. That's why we continue to wash our minds by the word of God. That's why we continue to allow the spirit of God to be strengthened by the washing of God's word. Don't ever think that you just get there. We will continue to grow until we are face to face with Jesus Christ. And then in the next verse, it says in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. God knows how to take whatever it's been in your life, the good choices, the bad choices, and he knows how to turn and work them together for good. But I want to encourage you today that you walk in the revelation that you have been created by the almighty God for a specific purpose. You were his creation. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You were not your own. You belong to him. Don't allow him just to be Jesus who is savior of your life. Let him be Lord. And when he is Lord, that means he rules over every part of you. Because I can tell you the God plan for your life that he has for you is bigger and better than anything you can ever think up or try to make up for your life. He made you for a specific purpose. And I pray this morning in the name of Jesus that you will allow the Spirit of God to be stirred up on the inside of you. You will allow the anointed of God to be stirred up on the inside of you. That you will allow the power of the Holy Ghost to just bring forth the truth in your life and walk in that truth. Because he says when that truth is received and acted upon, woo, then he says you are set free. And he has set you free from everything that the enemy has tried to hold you back. He has set you free from every strategy and work of the enemy that has tried to hold you back from living in the God plan and the God purpose that he has for you. Right now, he is speaking to your hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will be drawn by the Spirit of God in ways like never before. That you will be more hungry and more thirsty for his word than ever before. And nothing and no one will satisfy you more than him and his word. And you will live out the good life he's predestined for you. And signs, wonders, and miracles will follow you because you are a true believer. Come on. Come on, we're having church this afternoon. I didn't know if you knew that. Pastor Ron, would you finish this out on how God is for you? Ow! Pastor Debbie got a little unction to her function. So, what are you learning from Romans 8? Now, watch all this. There's no condemnation in us so we can live free. We're renewing our mind. We've been adopted, and we've got hope and help. Now, he comes down into the end of this passage and he begins to summarize all this up and how this works. Look at verse 31 of chapter eight. What shall we say then in response to this? If God be for us. It's a rhetorical question. It's both asked and answered. God is for you. I want you to say it in response and make it personal. Say this after me. God is for me. Now say it after me and say it with emphasis on certain words. Say, God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. Yes. Come on, we ought to just have a little rejoicing party right there. 
But here's what I've seen in 40 years of ministry. I hear this phrase, I know God's able, I just don't know if he will for me. So some people say, you know, I've looked at the Old Testament, it seems like sometimes God is against his people. But I'm here to tell you, the moment Jesus died at Calvary and shed his blood, he put God on your side forever. God is for you. Then he asked, who can be against me? <laughs> oh, Brother Ryan, you have no idea who's against me. No, no, no. You don't know who's for you. He's for you. How many of you know if the devil throws you lemons, God will make lemonade? Come on, somebody. If you end up in the Red Sea, he'll make a pathway through it. And if the devil throws at you a fiery furnace, he'll make it into your son. The glory to God. Watch. <laughs> Look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him give us all things? If God didn't spare his son, how much more will he not also give you all things? Will he give you healing? Will he give you provision? Will he give you deliverance? Will he give you reconciliation? Will he give you redemption? Now I want you to notice this little phrase along with him, graciously gives us all things. How many know this is the Christian meal deal right here? How much know when you pulled up to Chick-fil-A, not today because they're closed, because <laughs> True Kathy's a Christian, and so it's closed today, but when you pull up to Chick-fil-A, and you say, I want a number one, what happens? You get your nuggets, but along with it, you get a Coke and a fries because they came along with it. When you got Jesus along with him, come on somebody, along with him came the healing. Along with him came the provision. Along with him came the redemption. Along with him came the deliverance. Watch this. Watch this. Who will bring charge against those that God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Your slate is clean because Jesus took your sin upon his body. And for anybody else to accuse you, that's double jeopardy because he already took for you. It's redemption. The word redeem means to exchange. What that word means is this, that God got what you deserve and you got what God deserves. Come on, how many of you know that's worth rejoicing in? Right. Now drive to verse 35. Look at this. He's making a case for how much he loves you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. That word just means affliction. Psalm 34 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he has delivered us from them all. So he goes on and through this list, he goes, shall hardship? Now some things get hard, but how many know his burden is easy, his yoke is light? Now watch this. He says, or persecution, so that separate us. No, I know who's against me, but I also know who's for me. So famine or nakedness, being without, no, he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So danger or the sword, not just the sword that somebody wields, but sometimes the sword that comes out of somebody's mouth. Somebody may speak against you, but God is speaking on your behalf. Jesus is speaking on your behalf right now. Now look at this, verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. No matter what life throws at you, no matter what the devil throws at you, we are more than conquerors. 
Those things were not made to destroy you. They were given and allowed to come into your life so that you could conquer them. Not decimate you. And he says, you're more than a conqueror. What's that mean? It means that you not only win individual victories, but you win continual victory after victory after victory after victory. So he finishes with this. For I'm convinced that neither death, death can't stop us. Death can't overcome us. We have eternal life. Somebody say amen. amen. Nor life. Life circumstances can't hold us back. We have access to abundant life. He says, so he goes on through this list. He says, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Demons can't stop us. We have the Holy Spirit. Neither what's present or the future. Brother, I have no idea what's coming in my future. I've got good news for you. He does. That's right. So he finishes up this list. Or any powers, natural or supernatural. Wow. Neither height, no matter how high you get, nor depth, no matter how low you get, nor anything else in all creation. How many know that kind of sums up everything else? Will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. God loves you. You're primary to him. You're preeminent to him. He has your best in mind. I finish with this. As in Colorado Springs, I was speaking to a large church. At the altar call, toward the end of the altar call, there was a woman who brought her father. And she brought him straight to me. She said, would you pray for my dad? He has Parkinson's disease. And as I was preaching in that message that day, I looked out in the fourth row. I could see him sitting on the end. He was shaking so demonstratively that he had to hold the seat in front of him to stabilize himself. And now here's this daughter saying, would you pray for my dad to be healed of Parkinson's disease? And something really was on me at that moment. I looked at it and I said, God's about to change the course of his life. Then I said to him, these are the words I said, God loves you and he has your best in mind. Now, he'd been looking at me, but he'd been looking past me, and suddenly his eyes connected with me. And here's why. And I don't have time to tell you the whole story. But what happened was he thought that his actions had disqualified him from receiving God's love. And all of a sudden, for the first time, it clicked in him that God loved him. Nothing could separate him from that love. I reached out, laid my hands upon him. He got a touch from God. He was instantly healed of Parkinson's disease, and he was made completely whole. If God be for us, who can be against us? And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Yes. You just had an unfolding of perhaps the most dynamic passage of Scripture in the entire Word of God. And I'm here to tell you, in this morning, now in this moment of time, God is about to do some demonstration in people's lives. Yeah.